0: Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. Today on the podcast, we have Michael Garden. Hey, Michael, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Alex, thanks so much for having me. I'm really pumped uh, for the conversation.
0: Yeah, likewise. I mean, we were both talking about the, I think, um, in our conversation here in the back room, really how there are so many ways to Uh, make a living other than just doing the 9 to 5. You were sharing with me all the different times in your career that you've switched things up and pivoted. And and so we have lots to talk about because you are a dad of three and you are an entrepreneur. So you're a dadpreneur. And uh, so, yeah, so you have so much to offer to our community of, of, of leaders and solopreneurs who want to find what like the, the way to obviously get the most out of their days, but also grow and gain wealth. All those things are are important. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you grew up there in Wisconsin, then went to Chicago, but tell us about uh, your your upbringing and sort of what took you to where you are today.
1: Sure. Um, well, I was I was one of those guys that you know didn't know what they want to do when they grow up, and I feel like I maybe I still don't. So that led me to <laughs> a bunch of different career changes, and maybe we can touch on some of them. Uh, but you know, I, I started as a financial futures trader in Chicago. I did corporate consulting, innovation consulting, new product service consulting for a major uh, Fortune five hundred com- uh, company. I've been in and out of some startups as well. And uh, along the way, I had three kids. Uh, I also have a wife who's a doctor. So my career kind of takes a back backseat um, as well. And so thinking about, you know, in, in 2018, as I'm doing some, some corporate consulting and working for a large company, I'm really starting to rethink, you know, how I want to build my work life, my life, um, and, and be able to take care of these three guys here. And uh, I, I had this moment of where I, where I say I broke work. And I just had a different realization of how I wanted to set up life. I was I ended up incubating a side hustle, which uh, eventually I built into a full-time job, which is what I do today. So I'm the CEO of Rejoin Media. And basically, it, I operate Rejoin Media as a very small uh, digital private equity company. So I've, I went out and I bought a few different digital properties and websites and things like that, cultivated them. Grew those advertising relationships, grew traffic, and um, have been holding them as a portfolio. As part of that, the main one I work on and that I've really developed a passion for is my website called Career Cloud. And it's a kind of just career content uh, service platform where we talk about getting jobs, building resumes, all this kind of stuff. As we built that out, we've also built out a podcast and a newsletter titled The Break, uh, where I really dive into conversations and talk about what it means to sort of break the concept of work, think about it differently, and basically engineer and design work into our overall lives so that we can just get the most out of life. And we can we can have a career where that we control and exert more control over and ultimately get the most fulfillment. So that's what I do uh, today. And Rejoin Media, I kind of have set up as a mini... Um, hmm product testing ground as well. I'm trying to get into a few other types of digital businesses like e-commerce and stuff like that, which I've never really done before. So operate with five remote employees, uh, kind of spread out actually all across the world, and just really built it around being able to be here for uh, my kids and kind of not, not not miss a beat
0: there. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's the part that's attractive for, for a lot of, um, you know, parents out there who have that dream of owning their own business, maybe running it remotely, which is a great thing, and of course spending more time with your with your kids. So tell me how you you know for you working from home, how you balance that because I know it's a tra- it's a challenge for everyone who works from home, and maybe one spouse is out working outside of the house, then it maybe falls to you more than to her, and then I find myself doing that all the time, right, Mike? I I'm focused on something, but then I hear something and I go out there. And before you know it, I've wasted, to, not wasted. That's a wrong thing to say. I'm not wasting those 15, 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, I'm getting involved in things that I don't need to. And so it is different than working at an office.
1: Yeah, I want to I want to give you a little bit of the evolution in my thinking, because I think it's relevant. So from like 2013 to 2016, I was working at a startup based in Seattle, uh, Internet content startup. We built reviews.com from nothing to uh, eventually selling it to a private equity company. And I was, I was type A. Like I was, I got to work all the time. I have two small kids at home during this time as well. And I kind of viewed all of these annoyances or, you know, interruptions, having to go to doctor's appointments or stuff as as a burden, right? To me thinking like I'm, you know, trying to do as well as i can in my career right Mm -hmm. and in like the and my as i told you before my wife is a doctor so her work should come first uh and i should be as as the flexible person you know kind of the one that's that's moving my schedule around to to uh to accommodate those things so i ended up going through a really big mindset shift where i was Mm -hmm. like no i i'm like my career it matters a lot, right? And I need to continue to do these things. I need to work really hard and I need to overproduce and outproduce and all that kind of stuff to evolving into a thinking where, well, th- there, maybe there's a different way to do this, right? Like how, taking a step back and think, well, how do I still get my creative outlet? How do I still do really good work that I like to do, that I want to wake up and do every day mm. um, and allow for and not just allow for the disturbances with the kids and family and and all that kind of stuff but embrace it. And so I went through this journey of figuring out how I could do that. And so I today uh what I do is really set up around being able to say thanks to like like my my kids are you know they're 10, 8 and and 6 and they're going to be out the like i'm in the blink of an eye they're going to be out of the house. <laughs> I feel like and so I'm trying to just be able to embrace those moments uh, where they're around and maybe mm-hmm. interrupting me. And I've, I've built that into my day. So to get concrete in your, in your answer, uh, you know, I, ha- I have a, an office in my mm-hmm. home, uh, which not everybody has, so, so that's one thing. It, it's, it's, it's kind of sequestered a little bit uh, mm-hmm. from, the, from the house. And so there, there is that, but I actually do some things with the kids where like in the summer, like it is now, Uh, I I have what's called uh, what I call open office hours. And so as long as my kids know that I'm not on a call or on a podcast like this, they are free to bust in here. And we can just jam on whatever they want for, you know, 10 minutes or so I don't have a hey, only in this hour. Can you do that? It's, it's a it's an all the time open door thing. Because I think, and and yes, there's a there's a, a cost to that a tax task switching cost to that. But it it captures sort of like the impromptu nature of kids in the moment, and so I just build that into my day. Like I know that's going to happen, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't happen every day, but like I, I allow for it to happen. So that's yeah. one type of strategy. The other is I do get out of the house. Um, I kind of set up my day like morning. I'm out at a coffee shop. I'm trying to trying to write. I'm trying to do heads down work, and then like I work out in the middle of the day, and then afternoon um, is when I'm kind of home doing calls and doing other you know, whiteboard strategy type of work or whatever that might be.
0: Uh, that's really good advice. And I think it's, um, like I said, it's a challenge for everyone. I find it for me that it's definitely a, a challenge. Uh, and in getting out, to your point, I mean, to me, it's key to still get out, network, go to conferences and things like that. But I love that flexibility that you're talking about and just changing that mindset. And and enjoying that these times that, as you said, are going to come and go very, very quickly. So for, for me, as I mentioned in the podcast earlier this summer, I've kept our community uh, sort of in the know with what's going on. Uh, my 12-year-old, he this is the second year that he uh, interned for me, right? And he says, <laughs> well, what, what's your 12-year-old doing? I said, listen, you would be surprised as to the tasks that he's doing that is way above what a VA would do. I mean, this would be um, an administrative assistant who is doing everything from answering emails to um, canvassing, you know, LinkedIn and responding to certain emails. And of course, you know, there was a um, sort of a a ramp up to that. And I, I say to people in my community here, I'm like, there's just so many ways that you can incorporate the parent and entrepreneur life into one so that your kids benefit from it. And then you, cause I get a lot out of that too. You know, obviously I end up learning a lot of things or different thinking. Sometimes he's way ahead of me on certain things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that's a great way to look at that. So they're never too young to start. That's what I tell my, my community here. And I love that you're incorporating that. So now talking about the, the rejoin media and you've got all the things happening. One, one thing that I think a lot of our, Listeners in the community who are solopreneurs are struggling with Mike, which you clearly—it's not that you're not struggling with it—but you have your team and you have it structured in a way that it, it looks really good. Your brand and all your different properties, all the content—I mean, we looked at it. You've got a lot of content out there. It's something that everybody struggles with. How do you keep that organized? And what what advice do you have to share? Because obviously, you're a busy parent. You're 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 running these different digital properties, and you've got to keep feeding it, right? Because otherwise, the audience will go away. We know that. So, what do you what do you what kind of advice do you give our listeners who struggle with this? So, I guess uh, it, it sort of depends
1: on what stage you're at and what is the most important, you know, critical task uh, to have happen. So, I like when I was taking in my evolution when I was taking this from side hustle, right? I was working a normal job. Like the most important thing was uh, traffic and revenue. Mm-hmm. So like I, I did, I only focused on the activities related to to that uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of, and that was not really part of like the audience side of it necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. That was, you know, Google traffic, SEO, advertising, building advertising relationships, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that was like the main core business, right? I only focused on those things because I didn't have the allotted time today. That's the part that I kind of have automated with a team, right? Um, and what I'm trying to do is focus on like what is the what's the next future growth type aspect that I can personally leverage my skill set and um, my reach on. And so the things that I like building community online is what I'm most focused on now. Because that is like what I can control more so, you know, and, and it's a diversification strategy, right? Like Google comes and goes, traffic goes up and down. Um, but when you're kind of creating your audience, building your audience, you know, it's that that's the focus for me. So, there within that, like everybody struggles with, well, there's a billion things that I could do, right? Uh, it, in that little, area, right? There's a billion ways I could make content. There's a billion platforms I could use. I always try to say with like, start with where you are, like start with what you have Mm -hmm. today, instead of kind of thinking like, oh, well, YouTube is the place for me to be right. Like Mm I have, I started and I'm starting, um, like I, we have a newsletter, we have a podcast. Like I didn't even, we actually had, this is funny. I don't, people aren't going to know this, but we actually had a gen- when I acquired the site, pe- we had a gentleman doing the podcast on mm-hmm. Career Cloud for free and he was talking about you know resumes and uh, interviewing and all of that kind of stuff. And it wasn't it wasn't for, like I waited I just had him do it for like 3 years mm-hmm. until I was ready to invest the time into trying to grow the podcast channel. And when I was ready with here's where I think my point of view is different and matters. And I took and I started just focusing on the podcast, right. Mm. And now I'm in to, you know, really starting and focusing on the newsletter, and combining those things. So like Mm -hmm. the synergies are really important. Um, Like, how can I repurpose content? How can I do one thing and have its effect go, you know, three or four different ways. So uh, when I do a newsletter each week, I write it in a talking voice. And then I read it and I put it on the podcast as just another episode, right? Like we do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously with a podcast, YouTube is is a great way to uh, just, you know, get some double leverage out of the audio and video format. So it's, it's really about, and what I like to do is actually like list out all, I have a whiteboard right over here, like list out all of the different ways I could do something. And kind of like, end up moving them around and stack ranking, like, well, what is the long pole in the tent? Like, what is the what's the one thing that maybe knocks five of these off? Mm -hmm. Or the one thing that's going to get 80% of the benefit that I can work on today, uh, like for the long term. So that's like how I kind of think about sequencing the types of tasks or what I focus on. But it's really hard. Because when you're I think the difference between working in a company, and working for yourself is like when you're working for a company, you sort of have all of these governors that mm-hmm. constrain your options. You have a boss, you have the company and what their strategic initiatives are and all that kind of stuff. And when you're on your own, you know, sky's the limit. Like
0: it's <laughs> you like can you talk to get down you talk about ahead. choice overload, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. I say that is my number one problem, uh, is is choice overload. So like I I think you know when you when you're trying to build a business when you're in the infancy of ideation and how is this going to work and all that like options are your friend because the reality is we don't actually know how the future is going to unfold mm-hmm. we don't actually know with certainty like what idea is going to work or what we can execute or how a you know potential customer is going to react to something 100%. we don't know and so having options is your friend at that point in time. So that's why I built a portfolio of web mm-hmm. properties. Why I bought a portfolio, I, I didn't know. Right. And then as you got, as I got signal into, mm-hmm. okay, Career Cloud's the one kind of taking off. I have a pe- personal passion for it. I feel it in my gut. Um, you know, I've sold uh, p- things out of the portfolio. I've stopped working on others and I'm focusing more on Career Cloud and how to drive mm-hmm. growth there and how to leverage. My personality, my personal brand, and what I like to do um, to get the most benefit, like out of that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a I feel like it's this constant process of creating options and reducing options that we that we have to go through. And I think it's best to do it on like a quarterly type cycle of here are all the things we could do. what's the one or two things we need to focus on for the next quarter, and then, you know, reevaluate. So like in the world of design and design thinking, that's called like diverge converge, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's super applicable to like building building a business and figuring out what you sort of want to do and what
0: you're good at. No, absolutely. I think it's you. It you have to use some critical thinking and be very thoughtful and purpose driven uh, around every turn because sometimes, as you said, just going back to the idea of when you're uh, uh, when you're the boss, when you're the solopreneur, and if you're succeeding and you're You're growing. Not all of us have that that um, that that behavior where you can just focus on one thing. Right. Like if you look at a disk profile, which, you you know, obviously you do career um, advice and all of that. I tell young people like I'm surprised at every college I go to when I go speak. How many of you have taken a disk profile and emotional intelligence profile? No, none. Nobody's taken an assessment and then I'll give it to them. And then they'll discover some stuff about themselves. And I'll say, well, see, look, these are the careers that you don't want to go into. Now, you can you can be the outlier. Maybe you'll still be passionate and do well. But like 99 percent of the people with your behavior do not do well with that. And they'll go, I never thought about that. And I actually have examples of students that I've mentored over the years, Mike, that came back to me and said, man, because I did that early on. I discovered that, th- that th- take marketing, for example. It's a world th- a difference working for a brand as a marketer, right? Versus working for a small business, right? Or working for an agency where you have a ton of different accounts. Th- that takes, I mean, different people, right? Or SEO versus paid search. So- sounds like, oh, it's all search engine marketing, but it's not, right? Mm-hmm. Content creation versus social media, you know? So um, I think definitely taking a deep dive into to understanding like what your choices are is super important. What I get from a lot of people in the community is, is sort of to that point is that they find it hard to say no when they're growing, which kind of gets back to your point. So they're saying yes to every client. And my advice to them all the time, Mike, is look, when you get to a certain point where you're comfortable and you have a client base and revenue streams that are coming through, that's when you got to start saying no. And really analyze every opportunity because you and I know if you just keep saying yes to all the new clients that come in, it's really hard to grow if you're not really intent on that. So talk to me about that, the opportunities that come your way to grow your company. How do you select them?
1: Yeah. So I think like what I tell people is every decision that you make in life is an investment decision. You're figuring out how to spend, you know, use money or capital or your time, right? Right. And there's a expected cost, like you can say, this is going to cost me x amount of hours. Mm-hmm. And there's a, an expected upside with some variance around it, uh, mm-hmm. of, of unknown around it, right. And so when you start to think through that lens, that you are spending something like, like, taking yeah. every opportunity isn't free, it's not, because you have a, you have all these costs, right? Like, that's when people when a light bulb, I think, like starts to hit for people. Mm-hmm. And so, I think about it through, through, really through that lens. So, so, and here's, here's, I guess, the process that I, that I kind of go through, uh, which I talk about on my website in terms of investing in yourself, like Mm -hmm. this is the process, like you start with really defining, you know, uh, what your circle of competence is, right? Mm -hmm. All of the things that you know for sure and are good at, right? And that's infinitely smaller than all the things that you actually think you know. Um <laughs> so being really clear, like going back to disk and, and and these assessments, right? And, and like just getting feedback from people. Um like understanding like what you are really good at and starting there as your sort of base asset. And then figuring out like how you bring leverage to that. So how you use that particular skill set for some outsized return for you know a normal amount or an acceptable amount of effort right so we get we get advertisers all the time uh for our, our web properties that are like really tangential like they might be big mm-hmm. um brands but like they they're just not like a clear fit and so i, I have to go through like a prep I I used to go through the process of educating them like, Hey, this Mm -hmm. is SEO. Here's how this works. Like for me, I have to put up a piece of content. I have to build links to that. I have to, I have to generate traffic for someone who would be like, you know, that content has to be about what you're providing. Right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise like, we're not going to make any money. You're not going to make any money. Um, Now I just say, no, not, not a fit, but, um, So, so we get that kind of thing all the time where I'm constantly thinking like, okay, what's the output effort for us, right? And then what is the, you know, you can just back of the napkin stuff, you're not, you don't have to build a huge model on on this each and every time, but it's like, what do I have to believe in order for us to come to some assumption about what we're going to, what we're going to gain there, right? If I invest in doing LinkedIn content every single day of my life, like. You know what are what is there is there a believable path that I can get on where I can get to some you know number where that makes a, a big a big difference? If I invest in this next project, it's the same type of thing. so I, it, in every, literally every decision that you make it is is that type of of calculus. and a lot of times we maybe just do it quickly like that, but for others, you know, you have to get to go through that process of, of just kind of thinking like, what is my expected cost here? And what mm-hmm. is my expected outcome? And uh, when you think that way, you're going to make better decisions and you're going to start looking at your time a lot differently. And I think the other uh, piece of advice is it's really hard to judge the value of something when it's viewed in isolation, but when you stack it up next to a bunch of other Projects that you Mm -hmm. could potentially do that have sunk costs to them and all that kind of stuff, then you can sort of stack rank. So, um, you know, with my teams, we we do that that exercise We say, okay, we could do these things. What are the upsides? What are the downsides? Where do these fall on the list? And it's the top, you know, one to three that we'll say, okay, Q three we're prioritizing one, and if we get extra time, we're going to do two and three as well, and see and see Mm -hmm. if we can move it along.
0: Yeah, I general analysis. No, that's really good process. I mean, I think it's, it's really important to figure out what your qualifiers, what your parameters are. Um, I was just talking to a friend about this in in sales, and that we went on this uh, road trip up to New York this summer, we took the RV and went up to this resort. And it was like a timeshare thing where they do a presentation. You know how that and I've, I've done those. I'm going back to like Vegas, Jamaica, all over. I've done them. Uh, Genuinely, I'm always interested in the sales process. But yeah, sure. If you if you want to give me a you know $2,000 vacation for a couple hundred bucks, I'm game. I will listen to you for two hours. Now, for me, my wife couldn't, she couldn't take it on the way back home for a thousand miles of me yapping about all the rights and wrong things that they did in the sales process. Till this day, she's hearing about it. Um, But that's just because I love it, right? As a consumer, I want to know what people are doing right, what they're doing wrong. And sometimes actually give them the feedback if they ask, which in this case, they didn't ask until like three weeks later. uh, And it was just (laughs) a a survey on the computer. And I'm like, you're kidding me. You send me an email to find out? No. But anyways, uh, the idea was just that the way these guys went, their marketing was slick, right? Slick marketing, amazing customer care. The product was next level, five-star resort. You're just like, so they've got everything. But when it came to sales, they were using the same old tired tactics of, you know, here's the presenter, here's your salesperson, and then here's the manager. And it's like, come on, man. And I liked what you were talking about, Mike, about the investment of time and money and kind of like where they cross and how that plays into your ROI. Because the way these guys were selling, now this is obviously a B2C product. So it's a little different than all these solopreneurs who listen to here who are, selling services right or b2b but even in b2c i mean the way that they did it was constantly positioning this product which is a vacation instead of like making me think about it as this is going to be a great place to come back with my family there's 60 properties around the country it was this constant constant hammering at the financial returns that there could be right like you could sell it later it, it, it could be a legacy for your family could, but, and and for me what what they didn't stop to think you know again everyone is different but I wasn't looking at it as an investment I've got investments right I wanted this just simply just like when I went to buy my RV my RV don't tell me first of all it's a depreciating asset but nevertheless let's pretend it wasn't <laughs> I'm here to buy the RV because I want to build memories I'm not interested <laughs> in how much I'm, am I going to get back because you bought black versus white this versus that. I just want it. I want it and I want it. Don't try to, you know, set me up with closed-ended questions because then you're limiting my options. And that's what these people did. And I, anyways, long story short, I'm talking with my friend about it, he's like, wow, man, they, they really impacted you. I go, no, it's just that I wanted to help them because they had everything else lined up, Mike. But when it came to the sales, it was just like it's there's so many companies out there who are still training salespeople to do it in a way that is not authentic and is clearly about their best interest and they're working off of fear and whatnot. So for the young, for, for sort of the, the they say they're probably mostly Gen Z and millennials who listen to the podcast here, who are starting their, their first side hustle or going in full-time, what's like the best advice that you give to them as, as they're trying to transition? And I say that because in entrepreneurship, we know what skills play really well right? Like sales is huge. Like if you're entering entrepreneurship and you're really good in sales or finance, like these are skills that are, you know, really, really um, valuable for you. What would you, what kind of advice would you give that young person that wants to go from the nine to five to uh, build their own empire? To
1: me, it's understanding risk and like the long-term view and sort of, and developing a, a patient glide path for you to mm-hmm. transition. So like I never, I almost never tell somebody that they should just often quit their job mm-hmm. uh, to to do some to to do something unless that unless like they're on the verge of raising venture money, you know, and like can tackle it full time or whatever. But like if it's a side hustle type thing and they're looking for a way out of the nine to five to exert more control, you know, you have to get good at doing two things at the same time. One is mm-hmm. executing your job functions, and then carving out time to be intentional about what you uh, what you're trying to, to build. Right. The the easiest path for someone to transition out is through freelancing. So what I like about that is mm-hmm. you're, I, I like I always say, start where you are. You're being you're being paid right now for some skill set at your job, and if you can get one other company or person to pay you for that same skill set, you're a freelancer and you've just figured out how to make some money right on the side. Now that's not necessarily scalable uh, and and all that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about the transition. If you're, if you're trying to figure out, will I like working for myself? Mm -hmm. I just want more control. You know, it's that kind of thing. Because like, unfortunately our, or fortunately, like our biggest asset, In our in almost all of our lives is our ability to earn a living, right? Like so, why give? Like it's risky to give up that income stream to start building uh, something that has, even though you might think it's a fantastic idea, it's got an unknown, expected Mm -hmm. return. So, I I, you got to figure out how to set up your life to accommodate both. At least that's the path I right? And then there's some type of transition period where okay, maybe you got some revenue going on your on your side hustle. And you come to a point where you need to um, devote more time Mm -hmm. to that. And you just can't do it with your full-time job. Like that's where freelancing can work because you can take on clients and supplement some income and work less and devote more time to to whatever it is you're building, or maybe they're in the same thing. So I, to me, it's like thinking through, especially if you have kids, especially if you have a family, like it's, it's, You know it's risky. Like you don't know when that economy is going to turn. How easy it is to get a a new job if your side hustle fails or whatever. So that's my story. Like I thought through the steps. I said, okay, I need to get these revenue, these sites to start making money. And then when I was ready to to get out full time uh, of my of my corporate job, I found one client, one large client because I didn't want to be in the agency game that I could get fund in you know get income from, mm-hmm. from and fund the next steps of my side hustle like get that to the to the right um, point that it needed to be. And then we parted ways once the company rejoined was was creating enough you know money to help to give me income, my team income and fund our growth, then that relationship dissolved. So like that was a multi-step process. It took two and a half years maybe Mm-hmm. To get to the point where I had no uh, job and I had and I had no client, right? Like, but I made that path. I saw. I started where I was. I ha- I used my, the skill sets that I had today. I didn't go try to build some company in some unrelated field, right? Like, there's a risk to all of that stuff because it's your time. So I think just being like really realistic about where you're at in your life and what the risks are. And how, and, and carving out time, carving out dedicated time to be able to work on that while you're still making money at your job. Um, I think those are the two, like most core pieces of advice I could give that are going to at least help people not make a catastrophic mistake and become, and lose income and, and be in a situation where they can't find another job, uh, or, um, you know, have to make some really tough. Life choices,
0: yeah, or just become that statistic, right? SBA, over and over, over the years, they report that the number one reason um, businesses go out of business is product market fit, right? So, like you said earlier, people make a product or a service that they think is great. They think is great, and they're the people who love them think is great, but they don't go out and actually generate revenue, and it never takes off. You know, I have a client who I didn't even know this. They've been in business for over twenty years in the online courses but they teach you know uh, therapists all over the country and so it's accredited and all of that you know like you would with the university but i had no idea that even though they've been in business for like over 20 years that the first 10 years of their company history him and his wife who is the phd in the in the business she they built the courses as a side hustle and so you know he was sharing with me he's actually been on a podcast before but he was sharing uh with us that you know look they were making like 50 bucks a day you know for a while just what was coming through but they spent like a decade like building these courses and and then once it got to a certain point where they had enough you know students and relationships channel partnerships then they said okay now it's time to scale and even then he was the only one who left his full-time job and then Couple years into it, then he hired the first person. I said, what Ron? That's crazy. Like you know, most people do what you guys do in a year, except ninety-nine percent of them fail. I said, what? What? What gave you that idea? Like, did you study this? Like, like, was it in your MBA program? Like, no. This was just intuition that we they have four kids. He said we couldn't leave our 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 jobs, as you were saying, with risk and having kids. So we built it I said, man you guys are patient because that's not typical of entrepreneurs. Yeah. everybody just wants to dive in I and I say courses because there's so much of that going on today people who create courses I do I have courses I have books I have, like you but but I spent over a decade in my subject matter earning money, you right. know, building businesses before I got to that. So I try to tell people all the time who are trying to, follow the recipe of some of these voices out there we know them on twitter who are like hey here's like the the blueprint for success you do this you do that and it's like that's not true you're not going to start a newsletter today and it blow up tomorrow there's maybe like Mm -hmm. a handful of outliers you know um and so i i love your advice about just you know taking your time and really understanding you know if if what you have is is um you know, a, a proven product or service, because often it's not, you know, and then there is the other part where you might just get lucky. I We all know those people who they get lucky with one client, and that represents their like the most of their revenue. As soon as that client goes away, they go, Oh, man, I'm out of business. And it's like, that's because you never actually had a handful of those big clients who could pay you for that. You just got lucky. So
1: yeah, it's not it's not sexy advice. But it's, it's the stone cold hard, you know, reality, truth. Like when you think about numbers and statistics and how hard it is, you know, to actually create a business, you need that patience. And and, you, and it's good for your sort of mental psyche as well to To say like, all right, I've got runway here, right? Like I've got, I can breathe. I don't, not everything is like a life or death decision right here. And I, and I think, I think start, uh, side hustles are super healthy. Like I'm not knocking, st- them at all i've done it i have i have a side hustle right now that's tangential to my my other business because i i think like creatively that's where people get you know get juice from when they're working on their own thing their little baby that that that's super important but you have to understand like the the underlying base rates to success right um under the underlying likelihood um of your success and you need to be able to create enough Enough time for that. I think the the other one piece of advice I'd throw out there that I was just thinking about um, is uh, you know you have to do something that you're gonna adhere to. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the you know the the best plan is one that you can can stick with, right? So if you're if you're too overly analytical thinking about this business opportunity and yeah. it's not really tied to your gut of what you just naturally like or are good at or whatever, like you're not going to stick to it. The odds of you you. sticking to it and grinding through it are so low. Um, So that's a huge part of it. I I really, I hate the cliche of like, find your passion and, you know, (laughs) but, but it is, it is, it's true. You don't have to find your passion, but you, I think you can make things that you're good at your passion. And so when you're good at something and develop a skill, um, I think you can turn that into your passion. There's certainly no greater time to do that than now, like in the history of the world, in terms of turning that into something that really is a business for you.
0: Absolutely. No, for sure. Well, listen, I I know Career Cloud, there's just so much good advice on there. Um, We often talk about this topic, about careers, especially those young entrepreneurs who are first stage and they're looking, you know, should I jump off? Should I not? You have so much good advice there. What's the best way for them to, to connect with you, Mike?
1: So if you check out uh, careercloud.com, you'll see you know all of our content. You can see the find out where the podcast is at and subscribe to podcast and everything. Uh, you can find the newsletter there as well. The other spot is just my I have a personal website, Michael Garden, G-A-R-D-O-N.com. You'll find uh, a spot to you know subscribe to the newsletter right there um, on the homepage. Uh newsletter is called the break. Reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn uh, MN Garden on Twitter and if you just search Michael Garden on LinkedIn, I uh, would love to love to talk to you and um, continue building the community around breaking work and just redefining uh, you know how we all kind of earn a living. So
0: well, that's awesome, Mike and I and I bet that you all, you know that you're gonna have three customers for life, your three sons. so <laughs> that's awesome. That's baked into there.
1: Yep, I'm definitely going to make uh, my oldest one my my intern. I love that idea, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. And the one one last thing I want to mention is I'm so big on alignment, and with the, just with the dad and the parenting angle, um, I, my, the side hustle that I've built uh, is just this uh, little notebook called quote Quotebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a way for families to write down all the funny stuff that we say and. I've used that as a way to teach my kids about entrepreneurship. Like, That's what does it awesome. cost to build something? You know, what does it cost to market it? Uh, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. And they've loved. They've loved kind of just continuing on that journey. So, like in the same vein of you using your son as an intern, um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm trying to teach them, you know, how to control their circumstances uh, from a very young age. So appreciate I appreciate. And I appreciate your idea. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. And next summer, I'm going to have a couple new interns.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And and the first, the first year I I was all, he worked so many hours. I think I was breaking some child labor law there (laughs) this year. I said, look, let's take a step back, man. That's, but you know, he was just eager. And I think that's what it is when you put it in front of kids. Like my daughter is actually like super entrepreneurial. I mean, she's built things like these, uh, she calls her fancy fans and she'll put like a, a box at the front of the driveway and sell them. And then she wanted to donate right. it. But again, this was, wasn't us. It was just the inspiration. Like you said, you put the inspiration and they run with it. So I think it's, it, it's, it's unbelievable parents out there, what you can be doing with your kids. Um, people always ask on the show, like, what can I do to get my kids off electronics? Entrepreneurship is a is a great one to open them up to. Right.
1: For sure. And that's why I built this as a, um, a product instead of an app too. It was because I'm I was with- mindful of like, I want them off their iPads. I want them, writing and reading and we created a whole ritual around this. So I'll send you one for having me on the the podcast, but it's quotebookjournal.com. And if you use the um if any of your listeners want to buy one, they can get 15% off by using the uh code podcast. All right. Um, so yeah.
0: Well sounds so good. It's, a,
1: it's been a fun project and uh I'll I'll shoot you shoot, uh, shoot you one for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.